It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I'm excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Kevin Eikenberry, Chief Potential Officer of the Kevin Eikenberry Group, a leadership and learning consulting company that's been helping organizations, teams, and individuals reach their potential since 1983. Kevin is a world-renowned leadership expert, a two-time best-selling author, speaker, consultant, trainer, and coach. Now, leadership is not a topic that is the sole province of executives or managers because there are so many roles in business that have a leadership component to them, and sales is a perfect example of that, and we're going to talk about that in the show because you know you don't sell from behind the buyer. You lead the buyer. You inspire and motivate them to want to take action, but few sales reps ever seem to consider their role to be that of a manager or that of a leader. Excuse me. So we're going to talk about how they get to that perspective, but we're going to start by talking about management and leadership with my guest, Kevin Eikenberry. How are you? Uh, and I'm great, Andy. Thanks for having me. So take a minute, introduce yourself, please. How'd you get your start in leadership? Well, you know, you, you read that introduction that my mother wrote, so that's good. Yeah, um, apple pie in America. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do own a training and consulting company based in Indianapolis. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, Andy, that do what I do, they're sort of a, they're sort of a one or two person shop. But we, uh, we're, uh, we're pretty good size. We've got 13 folks and, and some additional trainers outside of that. So we're, uh, we're working hard to help leaders be more successful. And uh, we do that all around the world, but mostly in the U.S. So how'd you get your start in your career? Uh, I started, I grew up on a farm in Michigan. I uh, went to school at Purdue. You and I talked about that mm-hmm. before we came on. on and uh, uh, went to school I've, at Purdue. I've been in West Lafayette. Giving well, a giving a talk, that's God's country. Andy. It is, yeah, God's country. So, um, but uh, then I went to work for Chevron in the in started out in sales and uh, found my way, sort of made my way into training and training and development there at Chevron and left there in um, twenty plus years ago, twenty two, almost twenty three years ago to start uh, the company now known as the Kevin Eikenberry Group. So uh, I'm a farm kid who I think comes at leadership from that perspective of growing things. And from that perspective of, uh, you know, you put a seed in the ground and, and amazing things happen. And so I think you, you mentioned the word potential in the introduction. That's a big part about how we look at the world. And, uh, and so we're, we're excited to have the chance every day to help leaders be more effective. So what was the need you saw in the market that wasn't being filled that said, Hey, I need to go start my own company. Uh, I, I don't know that it was, you know, I'm not sure I could say I was that smart. I think what, what I think what happened was, Andy, that I figured out once I got into the training and development world and um, inside of a company that I had found what I was put on earth to do. And um, I had always, uh, my dad was a farmer, had a couple of other businesses, and so always never, never planned to work for someone else forever. And once I figured out that that was the kind of work I was – Put on earth to do. I started figuring out how to get to the place where I could start on my on my own, and and uh, you know, twenty three years later, um, here we are. <laughs> there you are. So before we jump into the other topics, let's talk a little bit about training and development. Is is seeing tremendous changes, I think, in how 
that field operates in terms of how content is delivered, how training is delivered, new research about people learn. What are some of the big changes you're seeing that are coming down the road? Well, the first one is no one in this in that business that wants to call it training and development anymore. That's the first thing, that, right? You know, uh, and 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 I'm not a big fan of the word training. We really consider ourselves a learning company. Uh, sort of to your point, uh, our focus is much more about how do we help people learn and how do we help people make. Uh, apply what they're learning. So we don't talk about delivering training or any of those sorts of things. But I think you hit on it, Andy, in terms of uh, I, I think the, the future is that there are more and more media for us to collect content, if you will. But I think that what's missing is that too often it's become, well, now this is just, just collecting content. At the end of the day, this has to be not just about knowledge acquisition, but about um, change in behavior. And so, you know, we can have podcasts and we can have webinars and we can have, you know, apps that give us tools and tips and all that stuff. And it's all great. But at the end of the day, none of it matters until we go out and apply something. So learning still has to happen regardless of what the mechanism of the knowledge transfer is. Well, one of the challenges that we see, I see all the time with companies that I work with is getting this commitment to being lifelong learners on the part of you know, people throughout the company, not just sales, but I mean, that's the one I interface with the most. But yeah, you know, how, how do you go about approaching that is to get people to, you know, engulf, you know, read books, listen to podcasts, you know, open their minds to things that, that they might want to change, right? And then as the second step, I'll start applying that, integrating that into their, their habits. Well, I think the, here's the key. The key is it starts with leadership, which is what we're going to talk about today. Um, because while while human beings, Andy, are learning beings, uh, and that is true, uh, the reality is that not everyone is thinking about the world the way most everyone listening to you and I are today by virtue of the fact that they're listening to us today, right? But the reality is for us, if we want to influence others to be more of a lifelong learning learner, to 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 take that sort of approach to our work and life, then we've got to lead by example. So the best, you know, the simple, here's the simple answer. You know, if I want my children to be readers, the best thing I can do is turn off the television and pick up a book um, and have them see me reading. That's the best thing that I can do. And so the best thing we can do as leaders in trying to help others in our organizations be more lifelong learners is to, is to do it by example, to have them see that that's what you're doing, to have them see you not only take the opportunity to, to attend some sort of learning event, if that's the situation, but not only that, but to come back from it with a plan of action that you're going to apply and share with them and ask for feedback on how you know, you're doing and what you've learned. So I think it really, it really starts with uh, a place of influence and, and doing that by example. Okay. Well, let's talk about one of the topics that I wanted to get into, which is I see people confused, and I see this increasingly with newer managers, um, confusing management with leadership. I mean, so tell people what the difference is between leadership and management. Well, you know, it's, um, it's unfortunate that in the, in, in the English language, we have these two words, and we use them somewhat interchangeably in terms of people's job titles. Um, and so people say, well, I'm a manager, or people say, well, I'm a leader. But here's the reality, that if you're in a job of supervising others, have people that report to you in one way, shape, or form, you have a responsibility to, to do both of those things, Andy. Um, in, in everyone if, in your mind, if you just sort of imagine sort of the MasterCard logo, and I'm sure that you 
probably have, you may have one in your pocket, but you certainly <laughs> yeah. recognize those I see two. see it too frequently, yes. Yeah, well, okay, well, that, that's a whole other <laughs> issue, right? But, um, you know, the overlapping circles, if you think about one of those circles as being all of the skills that are required to be successful as a manager, and the other of those circles as the skills that is required to be a successful leader, you, would, you have the right picture. And they are two separate things, yet they overlap. And it is because of the overlap that people get them all confused or use them interchangeably in my mind. So if I were to answer the question very simply, I would say we manage things and we lead people. That management is about planning, forecasting, organizing, uh, budgeting, and it's super important and we have to be able to do it. And But leadership is about people. Management is about um, small numbers of right answers not a lot of, you know, we can find a best practice and, and most likely it's going to work. Uh, leadership is more principles and it's about human beings who are, you know, naturally messy. And so the same thing, Andy, that worked the last 16 times may not work the 17th time. Uh, and so in, in the, the realm of leadership, it is about people. It is about shades of gray. It is about principles, not about absolutes. And so to be really good, uh, and I'm confident that those on this li- listening to us are serious about their own improvement, that if if we want to be successful as a boss supervisor person, that we have to work on both of those sets of skills. We have to build both sets. And many people fail because they lean too far one way or the other. Yeah, increasingly with you know, the explosion of big data, certainly see this in sales and certain markets in particular is that Managers are all about the metrics, and the personal element seems to be fading away. And people wonder why they're perhaps not as successful as they should be. But it's sometimes the, that that whole emphasis on the metrics is being reinforced by senior management that's just worried about the quantity of activity that's happening as opposed to the quality of what should be taking place. Well, I think I think when you get two or three levels up, you, you talk about senior managers. I think oftentimes what's interpreted by the troops, if you will, is that all of those people care about are the numbers. And certainly there are some for whom that's probably true. But the other thing that's also true, Andy, I think that maybe is a different perspective to help people a bit, is that sometimes the because that senior manager, that senior leader ha- has to be thinking about lots of things in the business, the easiest thing to put their handle on are the numbers. And so they ask about the numbers because that's the easiest question for them to ask. It doesn't necessarily mean they don't care about the rest, but I do know that the reality is that's how it ends up looking, right? And and so if you're a senior, a more senior leader with a broader span of control and you're on listening to us, I, I would, I'd encourage you to think Think about what of these things do you care about? But more than that, perhaps, is what what messages are you sending by the questions that you ask uh, in meetings and in emails, et cetera. So, I, you know, working with a lot of executives, Andy, I know that oftentimes that isn't always their sole purpose or their sole focus, but it there's no doubt that that's how it often gets translated or how it gets seen by others. So how do you advise newer managers or less experienced managers to you know, get the right perspective on you know management versus leadership, numbers versus people. Well, so first of all, it, it is both, right? And so the the I believe that the right perspective or the healthy perspective is a balanced perspective. The numbers matter, of course. The people skills, the uh, influence skills, the 
you know, what's going on with individuals matter. The relationships and trust and all those things also matter. So they matter, I think, in a balanced setting. If I want, if I'm a new leader or if I'm advising a new leader, I'm saying find someone to mentor you, or even if it's from afar and you're just looking up to them that you think has that balance right. Um, so, so first of all, as a new leader, recognize that there needs to be a balance, right? Second, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. find someone that you can learn from, uh, whether that's by asking, you know, in a more formal sort of mentoring situation where you might ask them about that, or uh, if it's just you watching them and noticing how they go about their business. I think it's an awfully two awfully good places to start. Yeah, and you use then in some of your writing, you talk about leadership sort of very similar to buying or selling. You talk about the no like, what I call the no like trust equation, right? That, mm-hmm. And so I just want to spend some time and sort of break that down because people from a sales perspective may understand that people buy from somebody they know, like, and trust. I mean, how do you, how do you insert that into the leadership perspective? Well, uh, it, it, to me, and, and maybe for other people, the link isn't as clear, but for me, it's extremely clear because uh, if I'm, if I'm, wanting to lead you, Andy, um, I can't make you do that. No more than I could make you buy something from me. Uh, I got to help you make a choice. And whether it's to buy my product or service, or whether it's to have you choose to buy into the vision, direction, outcomes that I'm trying to lead the team towards. So when we think about leadership, think about it as how do I help people choose to follow me? And who do I want to follow? People that I know, right? That I understand their intentions that I, you know, that I trust them. Uh, I trust, I trust their values. I trust where we're trying to go. I trust the goals that they're setting or that we're setting together. And I like them because that supports the other two. <laughs> so, I mean, I think to, to me, they are almost inextricably linked because when we're in a sales, excuse me, when we're in a leadership role, we're really in a sales role. We're selling, we're selling an idea. We're selling uh, a vision. We're selling an outcome. Uh, it may not be a product or service, but we're trying to get other people to say, I want some of that. That's where I want to go. I'll sign up for that. Um, and they're signing up with their feet that, rather than their their checkbook. Well, let's break that down a little bit because one of the topics that comes up oftentimes that people are seem uncomfortable with, and let's start with the, the no part of the no like trust equation, is, is that for allow people to know you requires as a leader sometimes requires that you show some vulnerability right uh i would say that if you want to be a highly successful leader you've got to do that because here's the thing people want people don't especially for new leaders people don't want you to be perfect they don't expect you to be perfect andy to my perspective there's only one guy that ever walked on water right and so like no one's really wanting that from you what they want is someone who's real. What they want is someone who's genuine. What they want is someone that is, you know, is willing to share their flaws. Now, I don't think you have to bear your soul about all of your deepest, darkest secrets, but I think you have to be real. And and I can tell you that as a leader myself, you know, I added that in my introduction to say that I'm just not just a guy who writes about this and talks about this and those things, but you know, I'm leading a team every day. And and I can tell you that I'm, in those times when I'm willing to be vulnerable, when I'm willing to share uh, something that's bothering me, perhaps, or something that I screwed up on, uh, for sure, that it always helps the team. It always helps me in the long term, even if it isn't necessarily um, comfortable to share 
or, or make people aware of at the start. Right. No, I agree, 100%. And so how does that then serve, then the next step is how do you get people then to, to like you? You've shared some authentic insights about yourself, some true vulnerabilities. Is, how does that lead to then people liking you? Well, the big, the big thing, I think, with leadership and the liking thing is that there's a, there's a big difference between trying to be liked which, which is, is negative, a bad idea. right? Bad idea. Negative, well, right? In the leadership role, it is because then you then you are subjugating the most important thing, which is the, the you know the goals, right? I mean, you you'll, you will make necessarily make some bad decisions if you're trying to make all the decisions so that everyone will or so, or so that someone will like you. So, uh, but but we should definitely be likable. Right. Mm-hmm. We should focus on being likable. It's the same thing as to say, as a leader, my my goal should not be to make friends, but I should be friendly. Right now, I often have found, and both in those leaders that I've observed and coached and trained, and 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 even in myself, that that when that as a leader, when we approach it in that way, we might actually create very real friendships, and I think that's fine. We have to have clear boundaries about where you know where's the friendship line end and the working and all that stuff. Probably a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. But if, but if we strive to be friendly and likable, we'll be heading in the right direction. The goal isn't to make a friend. The goal isn't to get invited to everybody's barbecues. The goal isn't to make sure everyone likes you with every decision that you make. But it is to be, it is to be open. It is to be uh, real. It is to be likable. It is to care. And if we do those things, you're heading in the right direction. Okay. So last part then of that equation is trust. Well, you know, so here's the thing about the word trust. Uh, trust is, look it up, it's both a noun and a verb. Trust is something that exists, that's a noun, right? And it's an action. I trust Andy. So here's the way I look at trust. The more, the more, of, the, the more of the verb you do, the more of the noun you get. So more of the action that you display, the more trust is built. So as a leader, uh, I, I believe that if you want people to have higher levels of trust with you, you must go first. You must be willing to be trusting first because what that does is allows the trust to grow more rapidly. Is it risky? Yes. Might it lead us back to the vulnerability thing? Yes. Am I saying to be to blindly trust? Not necessarily. But what I am saying is that if you're waiting, so are they, and it may take a long time before much trust is truly built in the relationship with those that you lead. Yeah, very interesting perspective. Yeah, I'm going to come back. When we come back for the break, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, I'm going to talk about that perspective of trust in the context of sales, because it's a very interesting way to look at it. With my guest today, if you stay with us, we'll be right back with Kevin Eikenberry talking about leadership. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Welcome back with my guest today, Kevin Eikenberry. Uh, we've been talking about leadership, management, the intersection of those two, and talking about 
what I call the no like trust equation as it relates to to leadership development, which Kevin has spoken to written about. So right before the break, we had talked about uh, leading with trust. I guess you have to be trusting in order to uh, be trusted. Is I want to talk about that in the context of a sales relationship or a sales rep's relationship with a buyer because I think that's a I never really thought about it that way before. And I think it's a really interesting perspective. Well, if I want, if I've got someone that I want to sell something to, or or, or I want to sell more to, right? Um, if they trust me, then they're going to take my recommendations. The selling process gets easier. Everybody wins because we spend less time at it, right? And so it's that's a it's a great place for us to try to get, and it's a it's a great it's really a win for everybody if we can build that trusting relationship with the buyer. And so I think the same thing applies. You know, are we? Are how much? Here's the question to ask yourself: How much do you trust your customers? How much do you trust them, right? And are you willing to show that more? And and are you willing to, you know, are you willing to, as I said earlier, go first in that regard? Now, trust is a big thing. You mentioned motherhood and apple pie earlier, Andy. Uh, trust is sort of like that. I said, well, okay, yeah. trust, good, right? Trust equals good. Well, here's the thing. There's different parts of trust. We probably don't have to time, time to dive into all of it, but there's, I mean, there's a difference between the trust of I, I believe that what you're telling me is true. I can trust your words, right? I can trust your actions, whether you deliver. Like I've got a client who I've told them they'll have something to, from me by the close of business today. And at this point, they're trusting that I will deliver that to them in two and a half hours, Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so that's trust. That's different than it may be connected to the words, but it's like this. Like you might have a neighbor who is an expert fisherman, right? They have got it. They know all the fishing stuff. They got all the fishing stuff, every kind of fishing they've done. If you had a question about fishing, you'd ask them, you would trust their expertise, right? Yeah. And, yeah. You, and you might not trust them when they told you how big the fish was. Right. So even in the words we say, there's both expertise and honesty, two different things. And then, of course, there's actions. Do, do, can I trust their actions? If, if I asked my neighbor to watch my dog when I went on vacation and he said yes, I would believe that he would do that, right? Because the actions would, would live up to that. So, you know, there's, there's more to it. Uh, but those are two parts. Here's the, other, here's the really big thing around trust, and that is what do, what do people believe your intention is? And all of those of you listening who are in sales know that when you get the relationship to the place where you, where the customer knows that you're not just trying to sell them something, but that you really care about their business and their outcome, and you're willing to say you don't need any more of this this month, or you really ought to be looking at this product instead of our product, that's where, that's where you really want to get, right? You're not just trying to sell them one more thing. You're trying to build a long-term relationship that says – that my intention is about you, not just about me. And that, that's the highest piece of trust, if you want to call it. And, and so that's selflessness, and trust is built there in great measure. In fact, you could know someone who is honest and knowledgeable and delivers, but if you don't trust their intention or their agenda, the rest of it doesn't matter near as much, does it? No, not at all. So, but it gets back to the still question I'm, I'm thinking about. Maybe we can get a good example for the listeners is how does this, how does the sales rep lead with trust, right? They trust 
They're trusting well, the, the cust- they're trusting the customer, which in turn engenders trust on the part of the buyer back to them. And just you know, look into that one thing you talked about. You know, trusting leads to trust. Well, so I, I think it really comes to it, it comes to what's the approach that you take and bring into the whole conversation, right? Are, are you willing to be a little more open and share a little bit more about you or about what's going on in the organization? Are you willing to uh, provide greater context for people? Are you willing to, uh, do you, I mean, let's come right back to it. Are you delivering when you said you would deliver, right? And I know that oftentimes we're, we're really good with that new prospect to deliver that proposal on time or to to drop off that sample at the right time or whatever. But, you know, and Andy's been our customer for a long time and he'll understand if I don't get that there tomorrow. Well, you know what? Maybe, maybe not, right? Certainly shouldn't take that for granted. So I think that, I think that it's just continuing to do the things that show that where our focus is, which is on them and not just on ourselves. And that's part of, of, of that trusting process as well. Yeah. And I think part of it that you talked about that, that really sort of engenders that embodies that is, is, you know, stop being so closed, right? If you're, you're there for the prospect, you have to show them that you're there for them. Be a little more open up front, be a little more open. You know, that is, that is, that is trusting them for sure. Well, and as Zig Ziglar said, you know, no one, no one wants to be sold, but everybody wants to buy. So, you know, uh, he said, you're a better salesperson when you consider yourself a buying assistant, right? Um, and I think it's a pretty good way to think about it. Because if I get on the same side of the table, if I get on the same side of the desk as my customer, and, and they know that I'm thinking about it from their perspective, it changes everything, right? Well, yeah, and we all know that if we do that, we'll probably sell plenty, but we're not we're not doing it. It's not just about the sale. It's about helping the client reach their goal. And if our product helps them reach their goal, awesome. That's probably why we're there, right? But yeah, well, I mean, doing nothing is the easiest decision, easiest choice the customer has to make, right? Absolutely. So that's why studies show you know sixty two percent of deals in a pipeline, qualified opportunities in a pipeline, end up in no decision. There's there's a trust component that's obviously missing. Yep, I would agree. All right, so what are some of the most common mistakes? Sort of last question on this, this part of it is what's sort of the most, I guess we sort of went through that as, you know, talking about themselves, sales, common mistakes sales reps made is, is making it all about themselves and not about the, the, uh, <laughs> the buyer well, if and, you're not, doing, and not living up to their commitments. So I'll say this to tie the leadership and the, and, the, and the sales back together, that if as a salesperson in almost every case, if you're doing more than, if you're doing more than half the talking, you're not doing a good job. Uh, and the same thing is true as a leader. If I'm coaching someone, if I'm doing more than half of the talking, uh, then it's, that's not the right answer. I'm not saying that in any one five-minute conversation that might not be true, but if I'm having, if I'm coaching someone, I would be asking a lot of questions, finding out where they're at, looking at what their their ideas are, what their possible solutions are, what they've already tried, what feedback they have about their own performance, all of that. So, if one simple metric, if you want to say that, that I would put on that is how much of the time are you talking? If you're talking too much, you're not doing a good job of leading or selling. Yeah, you can't listen when you talk, right? Bottom line. Some people think they can, but you're right, they can't. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, good. Well, we move into the last segment of the show. It was great to talk about leadership. Is I've got some standard questions to ask all my guests. And the first one is I pose a hypothetical scenario that you're the star of. And in this case, you, Kevin, have just been hired as a new sales manager at a company whose sales have stalled out. And they need to get unstuck and back on track. So what two things could you do in your first week on the job that would have the biggest impact? 
I'm going to I'm going to be on a one week listening tour. I'm going to talk to all of my sales team. I'm going to ask them a lot of questions about where they think things are and what they think the issues and challenges might be and what they think the opportunities are. And I'm going to go talk to customers and do the same thing. Um, it's all going to be about listening. I'm going to be in the mode. I've just come into this organization, so I may have been hired for certain to achieve certain things. There may be certain expectations upon me. They can all wait a week because the things that I will learn in that week and the re- relationships that I will build in that week and the trust that I will build in that week uh, will make it will be the best possible investment I could make. All of that and all of the data I'm going to collect as well. Okay, great answer. So when you, Kevin, are out selling, what's the most powerful sales tool or most powerful sales attribute that you have? I, I think it is. Uh, well, my, my I'll answer it this way. My sales team, um, when I'm sometimes on calls with them, certainly in the case of if we're getting closer to making a consultative uh, decision with the client where I may need to be involved because I'll be doing the, some of the delivery. Um, all of my sales team says, Kevin, you we've never seen anyone that does a better job of asking questions to uncover what's really going on for the customer. So I guess I'll say that. Okay. I don't know if they're right, but that's what I'll say. <laughs> so who's your business role model? Oh, that's a there's a lot. Um, I'll, uh, certainly my father was one. Um Growing up at you know in a farm on a farm and in some other agricultural related industries and having a father who was only twenty years older than I was really sort of growing up in many ways with him mm-hmm. and uh, having the chance to be involved in business decisions and really being asked uh, at a young age and having huge business responsibilities at a very young age um, yeah he would certainly be near the top of the list and was there a particular lesson you learned from him? Uh, the show's not long enough for that, Andy. There's too many. All right, All right. Uh, but I would certainly say I would certainly say that one of them is you know um, the customer writes the paycheck, right? So the the whole focus on customer. I could tell you stories about things that that we did, the things that he did that reminded us all that the customer was where it was at, right? I think right. That certainly would be one. Okay. So what's one book that every aspiring leader should read? Well, you mean other than mine, Andy? Other than yours, yes. Uh, <laughs> of course, it's a given they should read yours, but other well, than so, yours. So new leaders ought to read from Bud to Boss and go to BudToBoss.com. Um, Which is one of Kevin's books. One of my books, right. Um, you know, there's so much. I, I always answer, when people ask me that question personally, Andy, I always want to learn a little bit more about their own path. And then I've got, I'm looking at, probably a thousand books in my library in my office here right now. Um, and then I usually go that direction. I mean, there's lots and lots of really good stuff. Um, if you want to read a classical book on leadership, sure. um, you could certainly, you can't go wrong with reading uh, Kuznis and Posner's The Leadership Challenge. Uh, Jim and Barry's book is in, I think, the fifth edition now. Mm-hmm. Shared the editor for my book, Remar- my, my book Remarkable Leadership, had the same editor as, as they've had. Um, it's a classic they're great. Um, anything by Marshall Goldsmith, um, especially as it relates to coaching, would also be a good place to start. Okay. So, tough question for you here. What's What music is on your playlist right now? <laughs> um, well, so it's interesting you say that because, and I know that people are going to be listening to this. It's going to be quite a bit of time after we're talking about this, Andy, but... Um, uh, I listen to country the most, mm-hmm. but last week I went to a concert in something far, far from country. 
um, from a uh, sort of an alternative rock band named Pussifer because the lead singer, Maynard Keenan, who was also the lead singer of Tool, is a, is a childhood friend of mine. So uh, I wrote a blog post. So if people go to kevineikenberry.com to my blog and, and um, type, in, type in the keyword Pussifer, P-U-S-C-I-F-E-R, you can read about what I learned at the last one of their concerts I went to, which was in, in, in March. Yeah, it's a good blog post. I, I read that. So people should check that out. All right, last question. What's the one question you get asked most frequently by people that you're coaching or training? Oh, in training, it would be, are leaders made or born, right? And the answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> Great answer. Well, good. Well, Kevin, thank you for being my guest today. And how can people find out more about you? Well, probably the easiest would be to go to kevineikenberry.com, K-E-V-I-N-E-I-K. E-N-B as in boy, E-R-R-Y.com. You can get to my blog from there. Uh, you can get to all of our uh, product and service uh, sites from there. Uh, and and uh, if you actually, if you go there, I'd encourage people to sign up for our um, free ebook that's 101 Ways to Unleash Your Potential. I think you'll really, really enjoy it and be happy to share it with people. Great. All right. Well, thank you again for being on the show. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And an easy way to do that is to make this podcast accelerate a part of your daily routine, whether on your commute, in the gym, or part of your morning sales meeting. Because then you'll make sure that you don't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Kevin Eikenberry, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.